Welcome to Practical Christian Living. You can never use God's mercy up. Have you ever felt like you've used God's mercy up? You ever felt like I've blown it again? And you go back to God and say, God, I'm sorry again. I did it again. I don't know if you'll forgive me because I did it again. But God's mercy is new every morning. God continues to forgive you. Peter, perhaps better than anyone, knew God was a God of abundant mercy. God tells us we are required to be merciful, just as He is merciful. That type of mercy is only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit, which comes from being born again. With more on what it means to be begotten of God, or born again, here's part two of our opening study in 1 Peter with Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson. I gave my kids a lot of grace. I didn't give my kids what they deserved. Now my, my daughter was much more diligent than my boys. She, uh, she made her way through college. She had college paid for through scholarships. She was that A student, spectacular child all the way around. My boys had their college paid for too, by me. <laughs> and my daughter said, you didn't have to give anything to me. I go, yeah, but I would have if you needed it. I'd have done it. I give grace to my grandchildren just because I love them. And God gives grace to you just because he loves you. God loves you. And he wants to give you grace. He don't want to chew you out. He wants to give you grace. And from that grace comes peace. And then he says in verse three, blessed be. Now that's, that's you. That's who you are. He's given this picture of you. And then in verse three, he, he turns the focus to God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Again, the depth of Peter's sentences is amazing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, the Bible says God's merciful, his, his mercy is new every morning. Here it talks about the abundant mercy of God. You can never use God's mercy up. Have you ever felt like you've used God's mercy up? You ever felt like I've blown it again? And you go back to God and say, God, I'm sorry again. I did it again. I don't know if you'll forgive me because I did it again. But God's mercy is new every morning. And God continues to forgive you. Jesus even said to Peter, no, not seven times, Peter, but 70 times seven you forgive. And if God told Peter that he was supposed to give 70 times seven, 490 times, I'm supposed to forgive somebody if they offend me? I don't know if I have that kind of patience. Then how many times will God forgive you? If we're required to forgive 70 times seven, the mercies of God are abundant, more than we ever need. They abound far above our heads. They are far deeper than we can swim. His mercies are far outside of our reach. We can never reach the end of the mercies of God. According to his abundant mercies, has begotten us. What's the word begotten? Born again. Begotten. You were born. You were born of the earth, but this isn't speaking of being begotten here. It's speaking of being born again, born of heaven. Jesus said, unless you are born of earth and born of heaven, you will by no means see the kingdom of God. 
And Nicodemus said, well, how can that be? Can a man go back into his mother's womb again? Talk about a guy not understanding what Jesus is talking about. And Jesus said, no, you're confused. But you must be born again, he said. And God is an abundant mercy has begotten us. See, here's the thing. I, I can't begat myself. And no matter how much I want to, I can't give myself a fresh start. I can't save myself. It's got to be God who saves me through his abundant mercy, begatting me, causing me to be born again. I can't jump high enough to get saved. I can't build a tower tall enough to get up to heaven. I can't do enough good works in order to be saved. I can't be religious enough in order to be saved. I can't preach enough sermons in order to be saved. There's nothing that I can do in order to be saved. So it's got to be God in his abundant mercy that begats me. So the fact that I'm born again, again, isn't me. It's God. He's the one who elected me with his foreknowledge. And he's the one through his abundant mercy who has begotten me. And he's the one through his, whose abundant mercy has begotten you, even in the midst of the difficulties you may be facing. He goes on to say, begotten us again to a living hope. Not a dead hope, but a living hope. What is that living hope that we have? Well, it's the resurrection of Jesus. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The hope that you and I have is not like the hope of the world. I say, I hope I win the lottery. I don't play the lottery, but if I did, I would hope that I would win the lottery. I hope the Cardinals can go to the Super Bowl this year. Well, that's a long shot. But I hope it anyway, right? That's your hope. But we have a living hope. We don't have a dead hope. We don't have a long shot hope. We have a surety. The Bible says that because of the hope that is in me, I will live for Christ. Isn't that awesome? Because of the hope that I have for eternity, that when I close my eyes for the last time on this earth, I will be in the presence of God. Therefore, I will live as I am supposed to live by the hope that I have been given by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, because he rose from the dead, because that grave is empty, I have the hope. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And anybody who believes in me will not die. And even if he does die, he will live. So even if we die, we live. Because to be absent from this body, Paul said, is to be present with the Lord. And then he tells us something that is even more spectacular. In verse four, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you you have an account in heaven you have an inheritance that has been deposited for you in heaven jesus said i'm going to prepare a place for you I love what Keith Green said. God created the earth in six days and God's been working on your place for 2,000 years. Imagine how spectacular it will be. Read it again. To an inheritance. Look at the end of the verse now. In heaven for you. There's an inheritance in heaven for you. Your inheritance isn't here. The best thing you've got stored away is not your 503 or 401 or 501 or 403 or 642C, B or D, whatever it is. 
the best thing you've got stored is not your Roth IRA. At least I got that one right, right? (laughs) It's not your bank account that you've been working on for 30 years. It's not your pension. It's not the, the shares of Home Depot that you got when you worked there when you were younger. The best thing that you've got, it's not even your shares of Google, right? If you watched any financial news this week, the best thing that you've got is an inheritance in heaven. Can't be taken away from you. If you die right now, you lose everything you got in the bank. (laughs) If you die right now, you don't get to, you you stacked all that stuff up your whole life. You're all set for your your retirement. You're all ready to go. And then you die and it's done. It's going to be dispersed among your kids and they're going to spend it in a couple weeks. The reality, maybe not a couple weeks, but a couple months, it's going to be gone. They're going to spend it on things that you just go, I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. To an inheritance, and notice that this inheritance is incorruptible, it's undefiled, and it does not fade away. The thing about your stockpile, wherever it's at, in whatever account it's in, or what's in your bank, or what's in your safe, the gold that's in your safe, whatever it is. Hey, how do you know that gold's not going to crash? It was $1,900 an ounce. Now it's $1,300 an ounce-ish. How do you know it's not going to drop to $600? Huh? 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 Am I scaring you? You say, silver can't go any lower than 20. Are you sure? Are you positive it can't go to 10? Are you really sure? You say, oil can't go down. Wait a minute, it is going down right now, even as we speak. Hey, how do you know inflation isn't going to eat your money up? You're going to put it in a bank. You get a fraction of a percentage of inflation for your money in a bank. You're going to put it in bonds. Bonds aren't making any money now. Got to be in the equity market. What if the equity market crashes? What if we're in a bubble right now? Ah! (laughs) And you say, I didn't come to church to be told that I have no security. But didn't Jesus say that? Don't stack up your treasure here on earth where moth and rust can destroy, but stack it up in heaven where neither moth nor rust can destroy it. That inheritance that you and I have in heaven, it's incorruptible. When's the last time you made a deposit into that inheritance in heaven? When's the last time you stacked up treasure on earth? Excuse me, in heaven. When's the last time you cared about those people that are lost and perishing and on their way to hell? And so that you said, Lord, I want to do whatever I can do. I want to use the unrighteous mammon that I have to make friends for the kingdom of God so they'll greet me when I enter into heaven. That's what Jesus told us. He said, use what you've got to make friends for heaven so when you enter into heaven, they'll be there to greet you. What an exciting thought that as we live our lives and we affect people around us, that they'll be there to greet us. The inheritance is incorruptible in heaven. It's undefiled and does not fade away. And it's reserved for us in heaven. You ever had a car reserved for you and then not been able to get the car? You ever had a table reserved and you show up at the restaurant and they go, sorry, we don't have a table for you. But I called in a reservation. I'm sorry, we don't have one. You're not going to get to heaven and God's going to say, oops, we lost your inheritance. (laughs) Nope. You'll go to heaven and God will recognize you and say, I've got it for you. Let's Let's just think about this statement, this promise of God. I, Robert Furrow, have an inheritance in heaven. It's incorruptible, it's undefiled, and it's, it's kept for me in heaven. And you, 
have an inheritance in heaven. Not only do you have an inheritance in heaven, but when you die, you're going to get there and see the people that have gone before us. The people that, that God took home are going to be there for us to see what a place heaven is going to be. I don't know what that inheritance is going to be. I don't think it's going to be a big pile of gold and silver. I think it's going to be something much better. Remember, gold is the asphalt of heaven. I don't know that there are really golden streets in heaven, by the way, or if God is just telling us we walk on gold in heaven. Heaven is so much better than earth because the most precious thing on earth we walk on in heaven. Reserved for you in heaven. He's saying, don't get so caught up here. You're a pilgrim, right? That's what he said back in verse one. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims of the dispersion. You're just passing through here. Whatever God gives you here, he's just giving you here now for your, your comfort, for you to use, for you to be a channel because we're only passing through. Whatever happens here, happens here. But we're like Abraham who continued to look for a city whose foundations were built by God. He didn't settle in. We're supposed to continue to look because we're pilgrims. We're like those people in, in Hebrews chapter 11. Let me just go there. I want to read you this passage. Hebrews 11, near the end of the verse here, near the end of the chapter, verse 36. Hebrews eleven thirty six. if you're turning there fast, because I'm going to start reading. Still others had trials and mockings and scourging, yes, and chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute and afflicted, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves. All of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. All of those that have gone before us will receive those promises as well. We, whether we see the power of God or whether we suffer persecutions and afflictions here. Now back in 1 Peter, he goes into a new verse now, verse 5. Who, now we've got that inheritance, uncorruptible, undefilable, kept and not going to fade away, kept for us in heaven. And then it says in verse 5, who are kept... That's you and me. That's not the inheritance now. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last days. That's another powerful verse. And it's another difficult verse. And it's another verse that has a rabbit trail off of it that I see right on the edge of my Bible <laughs> that heads off into the argument about once saved, always saved and reformed theology and whether or not God chooses or we choose. But here it says, interestingly enough, if we just take it at face value, who are kept by the power of God, my salvation is kept by the power of God. How could I keep it myself? I, 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 what can I control in my life? Everything in my life's out of my control. Only by the power of God can I be kept. But he does that through faith. Is that what it says here? Who are kept by the power of God through faith. So by my faith, I trust in God and God keeps me by his power. I don't know if that's too hard to understand. It seems pretty simple. I trust in God and that connects me with the power of God that keeps me. Who are kept by the power of God through faith. You say, well, what if you don't have faith? Well, the faith the size of a mustard seed moves mountains. So it doesn't take much faith. Faith is just trusting in God. 
just believing in God, trusting in Him, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last days. Then verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice. Hey, the fact that we are kept by God, by our faith, we should greatly rejoice in that. Jesus told the disciples, rejoice that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, not that demons are subject to you. When's the last time that you have rejoiced to the fact that you are saved, that your salvation is kept by God through faith? You, when you die, are going to go to heaven. You're going to go into the presence of the Lord. You're going to go to where the angels hang out in the very presence of God. In this, we greatly rejoice, though now, now he gets down to it, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Now he gets down to the nitty gritty, as they say, down to where the rubber meets the road, down to shoe leather theology. Right now, you may be facing difficulties. If need be, whatever difficulties you're facing, God's using. Romans 8, 28, for God uses all things together for the good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purposes. It doesn't say God causes all things, but God uses them. God didn't cause Nero to be the, the proud, arrogant, murdering jerk that he was, but God would use it in the lives of these saints who were under his persecution. God wasn't the, the source of the maligning or the slander that they were facing, but God would use it. God isn't the source of all the struggles and difficulties we go through. He's the source of some of it, to be sure. But he's not the source of all of it. But he'll use it. And sometimes God steps aside and allows something to happen in our lives because he knows what we need. That's what it says here. Verse six again, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Verse seven, and this is where we'll end. In fact, we'll probably cover seven again next week. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. And we don't think of gold perishing, do we? We think of gold not rusting. We think of gold being permanent. But every bit of gold on this earth will one day perish along with everything else. For the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold. Do you know that the genuineness of your faith is much more valuable than gold and silver and diamonds and palladium or anything else you can think of, anything that you value? The preciousness of your faith is far more valuable than anything. It says, though it is tested by fire, God puts us to the test to see whether or not our faith is genuine perhaps to show us whether or not our faith is genuine. Don't you think that the fire of the persecution of Nero caused some to turn away from Christ? The testing of their faith by fire. Is there any mistake that the persecution started from the fire in Rome and Nero and he uses the term fire here to speak of the testing of their faith? There was quite literally a fire in Rome in 64 which tested the faith of saints by fire because they had been saying Jesus even said that this world was going to pass away in flames and fire. And it was easy to blame the Christians for it. And so God says, your faith's being tested by fire, that it may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. At that day that Jesus is revealed, 
that my faith could be found to the praise and glory and honor of Jesus Christ, that he would see me and say, well done, good and faithful servant, whether he comes back to me or I go to him. I think when he says the revelation of Jesus Christ, he means the return of Jesus coming for his church. But it could be us going to him, but that our faith would stand whatever difficulties. Is life hard now? Is life tough? I understand. I'm not saying it isn't. God's not saying it isn't. Peter's not saying it isn't. The Spirit isn't saying it isn't. He's simply saying God can use those difficulties, those hardships, and those trials, whatever they are, whatever form they take in your life, that your faith would be precious and found to bring praise and honor and glory to God at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In the book of 1 Peter, just an awesome book. Isn't it just as deep as the word of God can possibly be? It's amazing. Stand with me, would you? And let's pray together. Father, thank you for the depths of your word. It truly does stir us up and it, get, it makes us hungry to go back and look at it closer and see all that is there. And we pray that you would help us to have a deep understanding of what you're saying. And thank you that for these Christians who were suffering under the persecution of Nero, some of them being imprisoned, some of them being uh, killed, some of them being beaten, some of them watching their children going into the arenas, and some of them themselves going into the arenas, some of them being tortured in awful, horrible ways. And yet all of that is testing the preciousness, the honor, the praise, and the glory of our faith. And Lord, whatever comes our way, and whatever Christians around the world today are suffering persecution because of their faith in you, may their faith shine with honor and glory in the presence of Jesus. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I just had another thought, even as I was praying, kind of going through that. And that is that he knows that some of these people are going to be giving their lives for Jesus. He knows they're going to die. And when you take a martyr, there are people today in Afghanistan that have given their lives to Christ. And because they give their lives to Jesus under Sharia law, their lives are taken from them. In Syria, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, in Pakistan, and, and the Sudan, and other parts of the world. And when someone is taken and beheaded, or when a Christian is taken and beaten to death and killed, their faith is tested. And what's left is praise and honor and glorying at the revelation of Jesus. When they see Jesus, after giving their life to him, I think there's a highest call. The crown of life is to be given to a martyr. And someone who gave their lives because they followed after Jesus will not miss out on anything. They will receive from God all that is due those that gave their lives for him. There are more people martyred for the cause of Christ today than there have been in the last thousand years. More people die every day now for Christ than for the last thousand years, daily, just comparing it. And I don't know that that's going to get any better. And the interesting thing is that in all these places, the gospel's moving and people are getting saved. There's a revival in Arab communities around the world as they are, are attacked for their faith and they do it anyway, even knowing that they're going to pay the price. And that's an amazing thing. Once again, we just see the faith of, of them, God working in their lives and let it, be, let it be motivating to us to live for Christ with everything we have. 
Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com and don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.